episode 319, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., season 7, episode 4, Out of the Past. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level. Maybe I should say it more like this, though. Welcome to Level 7. It's a podcast, and I'm narrating everything that comes into my head. But I wasn't alone when I was here to talk about things that were sticking around in my head. I was, I was also joined by, by that woman in silhouette through the window of my office. That's Samantha. Agent Samantha. Hello. <laughs> And uh, that's about as long as I'm going to take the bit. So it's, you know, I I committed to it, but it wasn't good enough to really commit to it for too much longer. So commit, you know, sometimes you just got to commit to something and roll with it. Yeah. It would have been better if I actually, you know, wrote it out or something, but instead spur of the moment, I decided I'm going to do this. And then in the middle of it, I realized I'm in it. And, uh, <laughs> Hey, uh, I'm Ben, Ben Avery. That was Stuart's voice that you heard. And then Samantha, I did manage to, uh, introduce her in my really awful, uh, narrative prologue, but, uh, yeah, this is, you know what, ben, yeah. I give you props for, for, for trying. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I do. A I do. for effort. Yeah. I'll take or that participation for- trophy, man. I'll take it. Good. It's, yeah. Yours. <laughs> hey, this is a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is what we're talking about today. And yeah, we are talking about Out of the Past, which, you know, I thought last episode was fantastic in the way that they just embraced the tropes. Uh, this episode, they didn't just embrace the tropes. They embraced the tropes. They synthesized the tropes. They ate the tropes. The tropes fueled their muscles. And came out in their sweat. I mean, this this thing, they, they went I'm full on noir. Okay, well, I could have gone other places, but I, and I'm glad you didn't. Yeah. I'm just gonna say that well, anyway. they are clearly just having fun with this season. Yeah. Yeah. You know who was having fun with this episode? Uh, Clark Gregg, I think, was having a lot of fun with this episode <laughs> because man, did he just embrace what they were doing with this. With this thing, um, I mean that that narration he did. I mean, uh, you could factor by about a hundred how much better than what I was doing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just he went full on full noir, and it was perfect. It was perfect. There might there might be a couple plot elements that I wouldn't call uh, perfect, but we'll we'll get there. I- We'll get there. I definitely have questions about a big one. Do you? Yeah. Well, let's uh, first say, you know, if you are a listening to this for the first time um, or uh, one of the first times, as far as spoilers go, we're, we spoil the episode that we're in and we also spoil anything we've talked about before this episode. And so that is all of the movies, all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that have been 
released up until this point. Agent Carter is going to be a big discussion point, I'm sure, uh, for this episode. And we're going to spoil those two seasons. And we may Maybe. be talking about some things from, you know, Endgame, that kind of thing. Uh, so just, just putting it out there right now so that you can know uh, what's going on with this. And now we are free, free to speak, free to do what we want. Um, so did you guys miss the first time you see Sousa fall into the pool? Did you miss the big hint about what may have been going on? Uh, no, because I was, well, did I miss it? Yes. Yes, I did there miss was a it. Big, yes, the answer there is was a big, yes. There was a big clue that it was not Daniel Sousa. And what was that clue? There was no blood in the pool. Yeah. And I, I caught that the first time, and I was like, "Huh, that's weird. Are they just Disneyfying this death?" No, no, they're they're noirifying it. <laughs> yeah, because here's the here's what they're doing with this opening: is this opening is mirroring Sunset Boulevard, which is a very famous noir movie about a person who uh, the movie opens up and and the police are arriving at uh, a mansion in Hollywood. And they run to a pool and in the pool laying or floating in the water face down is a man's body. And like they were mirroring that. Now I'm going to, we're going to talk about some things. This got even more sunset boulevardy than I expected. And I think that, see, here's the thing. I want people to watch sunset boulevard. I don't want to ruin it for you. This is one of those sunset boulevard. What what I want to talk about is one of those things. that's kind of like the whole, uh, um, Rosebud with, with Citizen Kane, you know, where you, people have, they've spoiled it for you before you'd even seen the movie. There's certain things that, that just get spoiled for you if you're involved in, in pop culture, you know, and, uh, Darth Vader being Luke's father, you know, I was just thinking about that, but I didn't want to say anything because <laughs> I didn't, if you, Let's be honest. The Venn diagram of the people who listen to this who haven't seen Star Wars is probably like two separate circles. But if you haven't seen Empire Strikes Back, sorry. Well, here's the deal. Both of my kids, my both of my sons, I should say, um, I'm not sure how my daughters fit into this. I just know what happened with both of my sons. Both of them knew that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father from either Friends or the Lego Star Wars game video game because it revealed that before they actually got a chance to see empire strikes back. Now that might be my fault for not showing it to them earlier in their life, <laughs> but it's, it's one of those cultural things that you know that before you see that moment happen in the movie. If, yeah. if you are someone who was not around when those movies came out, but thankfully Sunset Boulevard is 70 years old, so it could have gone around a couple of different times. OK, so Sunset Boulevard is not one that is famously spoiled. OK, I'll give you that much, uh, but it's not one. It's one. It's on Prime. OK, it's, it's on Prime. And so it is something that can be seen very easily. And if you like watching just a fantastic movie that goes back 70 years, uh, but it's just, it's a masterful, masterful movie. There are some uncomfortable moments in the movie uh, because it's about a writer uh, who ends up in a mansion where uh, an aging silent film 
era actress uh, is living out the, the end of her days, basically. And their relationship gets complicated. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, but it has all the, the noir elements. It has the narration. That's, that's just that, that knowing and snarky and sarcastic narration that's you know not just telling you what you're seeing on the screen. But sometimes it is telling you exactly what you're seeing on the screen, but it's doing it in such a way that it's making you laugh. Exactly like this episode here. And it starts with the man face down in the pool, just like this episode here. And there's some other elements that I would like to talk about maybe at the end of the episode as a post-credit thing. But um, but again, we this movie or this, this episode just was em- embracing that noir and definitely uh, embracing the, uh, the history and, and the, the rich history of, of this style of filmmaking. So, man... Great job. Great, great job. What's your favorite noir movie, Ben? Uh, actually, I'd have to say maybe Sunset Boulevard. And it, a lot of it has to do with the main character is not a detective. He's a writer. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so um, there are – and it, it's it's just – it's funny and it's dramatic and it, it's it's Hollywood history. You know, I mean mm-hmm. Cecil, De, uh, Cecil DeMille plays himself in the That's movie. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and so there's this scene where they're actually visiting the set of the movie he was actually directing at the time when they were making this movie. And uh, they, they're just using that set. And and he's in there. Um, what's her name? Hetty. Uh, Hetty Lamar? No, not Hetty Lamar. Uh, Hetty, the, the gossip columnist, the famous gossip columnist. Um, she is in it as herself. Um I think there's a couple other uh, actors who were in it as themselves who were from the earlier, you know, kind of silent film era. And yeah, it just, it gets into that whole Los Angeles life, you know, and, and yeah. uh, cinematic history. So that's why I recommend it. And, you know, if you don't care about the spoiler, you can listen to the post credit. But if you do at this point, I'd say, wait, don't listen to the post credit. Um, watch the movie instead and you'll see what I mean. But that's the whole style of this episode. And I did want to talk, though, about how they got into the style of this episode because my son hated the resolution of the style of this episode because basically this is a glitch. This is an LMD glitch that's going on here because of the EMP. When he woke up, color, how do you say it? I have it written down here. Color had drained from the world or something. Yeah, yeah. The day started yeah. in a fog. My circuits were crossed up. Color had bled from the world, and I could hear my thoughts pinging around my head. And so there it is. That's why we're in black and white and why we're hearing a narration, which we don't normally hear. <laughs> so there. So so your son hated the resolution. He hated the fact that at the end, Colson gets fixed, and, it, and then color starts to come back in, and the narration stops. He just thought it was stupid because why not just do it? Just do the episode in that style. Don't make a real world, quote unquote, uh, reason for the episode to be like it. See, that was one of the parts that I really liked about it, because in this ability. So they're playing with different styles and genres to this whole season. Right. And this one, they had an opportunity to do something and they did it. Yeah, but I and I but I. And I agree a little bit with my son. I think that it was funny having the joke. And so I, I, I appreciated that. But um, I would have loved it if it had just been, here's this episode and this is our style. 
It would have been so incongruous, though, with everything else. It still is. I mean, even with those those bits. It still is, but now there's a reason. It's like the musical Buffy episode, right? You can't just have a musical episode. There was a reason there was a musical Buffy episode. As opposed to the musical Seventh Heaven episode, which was just dumb. Well, that's you what just I'm reference Seventh Heaven? Yes, uh, and the musical <laughs> episode thereof. I had no idea that Seventh Heaven had a musical episode. Yeah. I, I didn't watch it. I only watched the musical episode. <laughs> And it, yeah. and it was dumb. And well, the reason was because but the Buffy episode was so great. It was just a great episode that had a reason for everybody singing about pterodactyls. And then. Um, and the dry cleaner getting the mustard stain out. Yes. 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 And so then Seventh Heaven was like, hey, I want to do a musical episode, too. And so they did. And I thought, OK, well, let's see. No, no. They were just singing to sing. You're taking on different genres. You're taking on different styles. And I think it would have been totally fine for them to have narration without explaining why they have narration. And to jump to black and white without explaining why they're jumping to black and white. Because the black and white in a noir film is to give uh, a feeling of this, you know, this starkness and, and all that. And, and that's, I think that's fine. Like a Howard Stark or yeah, a Tony? Yeah. Yeah, but honestly, I don't mind it because at least the joke is funny. Yeah, you know, and and the color comes back into the world when, as May walks in, he sees May. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so don't get me wrong, it still works, but at the same time, yeah. My my son was just, that's dumb. That's so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Flip side of that, he's been saying that a lot about different shows that we've been watching lately. <laughs> so. <laughs> He's he's of an age where everything's dumb. Yeah, right? yeah. No, he he really is. Uh, it was Eureka that we were watching uh, last night. We were watching Eureka, and it was an episode where something happens on Earth that fires a beam into space, and they're like, "Yay, it, it missed the moon!" And then, just as a gag, it hits a satellite around Jupiter. And my son was just like, "No, that is so." unrealistic i was just like dude it's just a joke and then i said you know you got to say to yourself it's just a show i should really just relax and he's like no not when they're trying to be so sciencey on this show and i'm just like man oh well you know he just completely missed the moon and hit the satellite on jupiter with that one because it's not entirely a science show it's also a comedy yeah, yeah. And he's not paying full attention when he watches it because he doesn't like the show in the first place. So, <laughs> bless oh. his little heart. <laughs> yeah. And now, hey, now, Sam, we don't use that kind of language on this show. This is a family show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, he's, he's 18. And so he's just, you know, he's got opinions. Yeah. He's going to share them. Uh, kind of like us, except he doesn't have a podcast to do it in. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> To get his own podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the question is, will Dad let me borrow his podcast equipment? <laughs> and the answer is no. Nope. <laughs> nope. So not all noir films are uh, black and white. One of my favorites is uh, L.A. Confidential, which, if you haven't seen, is an amazing movie. Also filmed in Los Angeles and all that sort of stuff. Um, same with Chinatown. That's not black same with Chinatown. So right? the black and white is a, yeah. is a holdover from 
a certain time in filmmaking, not just a style, but good noir movies embrace that black and white, high contrast, high key type of well, the, look. The, the starkness and the, the yeah. darkness. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Sunset Boulevard, actually, they actually had the option to do it in color if they wanted to. Uh, they chose black and white. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at that time, at at that period in time, you know, there were still a lot of black and white movies being made because it was it was cheaper to make and people were still accepting of it. And TV was still black and white, you know. Right. But um, but Sunset Boulevard, they had the budget. They had the option to do it in color if they wanted and they they chose not to. I mean, it's a better I think it's a better film for it. I mean, Maltese Falcon is another one that is black and white. And it I can't imagine that being in color. You know what? I went to film school for two and a half years, dropped out. This showed me both Brazil and, um, uh, oh gosh, another movie. I'm sure they showed you a lot of movies. I know, but they showed me like two different films four times over in those two and a half years. I had to write papers on these films. One time I even just recycled the same paper and no one noticed. Um, if I if and, I may add in there, by the way, Brazil, one of the best movies made in all of history. Yeah, it took me several years before I could watch it again because I, I was just so sick of watching it to analyze it. Um, Which, but yeah, it, it's a fantastic film. It really is. Um, it's it's 1984 part two, basically. Well, it was originally called 1984 and a half was the original title. But I, I was just I was I was saying that to say they did not show me Sunset Boulevard. I'm surprised. <laughs> uh, well, I actually, I don't think I watched it in film school. We did watch Citizen Kane and Touch of Evil. Touch of Evil is another yeah. great noir film. Fantastic. Fantastic. And Orson Welles when he was still in his prime, you know. Yeah. So all that to say, what a great style. <laughs> yes. And they, man, uh, I, I was surprised that, Actually, when they started it out and he was talking about color, bled from the world and all that, I didn't expect them to keep it going for the entire episode. And it was only about 15, 20 minutes in where I was like, oh, we really are sticking with this. Uh, In fact, I wasn't sure they were actually going to do it in black and white because the previews were in black and white. And I was, you know, as you're trying to, you know, getting ready to watch the episode, I'm thinking, okay, are they going to do this? Are they doing this? They got nothing to lose, though. That's the Is thing. that when you were like banging your TV to make sure that you could get the full <laughs> signal and color because you had your son holding the rabbit ears? Yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, that might have been, you know, 20, 25, 30 years ago. You right. Know, the signal's coming in in black and white. You know, like what's going on? Or the tracking on the VCR, you know. Right. <laughs> um, what's going on with this thing? Because I remember on our Atari we had the thing that, that plugged into the antenna signal right. and you had the option to choose on your Atari unit. If you wanted it to be in color or black and white and then, Oh yeah. And that, you, it did have that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I played it on my black and white TV sometimes. Uh, but it was kind of fun sometimes just to be goofy and turn it to black and white, uh, from the unit when you're when you're playing it on a, on a color TV and it, it's just shades mm-hmm. of gray then instead of the, uh, the bright colored. No, yeah. no, no, no. You do not bring up shades of gray. That is the wrong Star Trek episode, Ben. I uh, honestly don't yeah. remember that episode. That was the season two um, clip show at the very end where Deanna gets pregnant. <laughs> Wait, she got pregnant in a clip show? No. 
No, the clip show was Riker when he got captured, and it was basically E.T., only Riker was E.T. And <laughs> I don't remember it, that being a clip The child show. was it's, when Deanna got pregnant. Yeah, the child like, was okay. Shades of Grey was the, but it was still the clip show. That's horrible. Wow, because of the strike. Anyway, anyway, sorry. let's mm-hmm. get back to Agents of Shield. I mean, yeah. we've we've uh, had a lot of fun talking about all this uh, stuff, but we got more to talk about in this mm-hmm. than just the snappy dialogue and the just that stylistic stuff that's going on. I mean, all. But let's talk about that, I guess, actually. There are all these moments where the, the dialogue is just like bouncing back and forth. And, um, you know, Sousa says, yeah, yeah, I'd be like the Wicked Witch of the East and the Wicked Witch of the West. And it's just like this quick, snappy, you know, again, it's reminding me of old Hollywood. Uh, just the, the snappy dialogue, the back and forth. I mean, and they're driving around old Hollywood, too. I mean, they're in 1955. They're going to the the Roosevelt hotel. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. all old Hollywood. That's all old LA. I just realized something. The wicked witch of the East was the witch that was crushed by Dorothy's house. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that one. <laughs> all right. Anything else as we're talking about the style of this thing, this episode here, which is the most stylistic episode that they've ever done. Yeah. Absolutely. By far. Yeah. Absolutely. By far. Even more than last week's. Well, yeah, because yeah, last week's felt like a regular episode of Agents of Shield in a different time period, obviously, but it didn't. It wasn't shot to mimic that time period. Right. They were just in that time period, and then there was a little bit, you know, the theremone or theremin, uh, where we're we're loving it, you know, and we're like, oh, and then they did this little thing and this little thing, and ha 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 ha. Uh, but then this one, it was just we're, we're going all in. I feel like every TV show gets to do something like this once, maybe twice, but then unless you do or something like Doctor Who, where you can change your genre style um, every single episode, you don't get to do that very often. So my hope is that this was like, I don't want it to be a one-off, but I definitely want it to be special, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 hoping we get back to our regular sort of standard Agents of Shield ish next week because I want this to be special. Yeah, can you imagine though? Okay, so we're in the fifties right now, right? Um, let's say they continue this through the decades and they take on that style. Uh, I'm just picturing them coming into the nineties and and doing the the police procedural. You know, just the oh, right. <laughs> flat, flat oh, video, you know, like it's just let's hope so. I, I thought I thought they were gonna go to the nineties and then show up in Red Bank, New Jersey, and there would be Jay and Silent Bob standing there at the quick mart and be like, I'm not supposed to be here today. Oh, that would be fantastic. I, oh, no, so you're you're staying horrible. black and white though, is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was just saying the style of the decades is what I was Okay, hey, we talked about Voyagers last week. Can we talk about another time travel TV series that I felt got referenced a little bit in this episode? Yeah. Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap. Do you know what I'm talking about with the reference? No. Daisy. Daisy actually says something that just made me think that, you know, they could be referencing this. They may not be. And that's fine if they're not. But the opening dialogue, again, was uh, for, for Quantum Leap is... Uh, it says theorizing that one could travel within his own timeline. 
Dr. Sam Beckett led an elite group of scientists into the desert to develop a top-secret project known as Quantum Leap. Pressured to prove his theories or lose funding, Dr. Beckett prematurely stepped into the project accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself in the past, suffering, suffering from partial amnesia and facing a mirror image that was not his own. Fortunately, contact with his own time was made through brainwave transmissions with Al, the project observer, who appeared in the form of a hologram that only Dr. Beckett could see and hear. Trapped in the past, and this is the part, Dr. Beckett finds himself leaking, leafing, leaping... <laughs> Not leaking, not leafing. He's leaping from life to life, <laughs> putting things right that once went wrong and hoping each time that his next leap would be the leap home. And as they're getting ready to go through time, Daisy says, I hope maybe we'll leap home this time. And maybe think about Dr. Beckett and hoping that his next uh, leap would be yeah. the leap home. But again, also the whole idea of uh, leaping from life to life, putting things right. That once went wrong. That's where we are right now. The Chronicoms going through time, messing things up. I honestly thought that they were going to mess it up by not letting Sousa get killed. <laughs> that might have been the way to go, but we don't let know Sousa what get killed. What? They didn't. They really didn't let Sousa get killed. They just didn't let the world know. I, I wondered at one point when he talks about how. We know this day is the day Sousa dies. I thought, oh, is there is there a mission here to make sure he doesn't? That he doesn't die. You know, that again, flipping the, the thing on its head. Where they're there to save someone, to save a good guy, to further their evil plan. Oh, by the way, it looks like Seuss is going to be on the show for a while. So he's he's yeah. with the agents now on the plane. Sousa got on the, on the plane. Um, what do you think I, about that? Let's, let's, let's park there a little bit here. Uh, what do you think about this solution to their problem? The problem being, uh, Oh, what's the quote? I think it's also our, our solution to the way that things were suddenly left with agent Carter's the, the series. Cause he spoke about uh, earlier in the episode about how he's had a lot of really good agents taken up by Hydra. And maybe if he stays with the show a little bit longer, he can explain or something can come up so that they can try to, you know, sort of put an ending that makes that's more of an ending to Agent Carter than just, you know, just leaving it on this cliffhanger where Thompson was killed. I hope you're right. I really do, because that that's something they could very easily do. And, you know. So we talked about the writer's room when I was in the writer's room and say, hey, what if we did this? I think they'd mm -hmm. be far more likely to listen to you, Samantha, as you're sitting in the writer's room saying, hey, what if we just had some dialogue, you know, in the next leap that they take forward towards as they're on their way home? And there's just some dialogue where he says, hey, remember Thompson? This is what happened to him. And there's your Agent Carter ending without, you know a huge budget outside of what they would have normally done. But that wasn't the conundrum I was talking about. The one I was going to get into was the whole idea where they say it's easier to let a bad man live than to let a good man die. And as soon as they started talking about that, I knew what their solution was going to be. And I knew where this episode was going. And I knew Sousa was going to be going with them because that was the only solution, the best solution and the most awesome thing for us. Because it meant we'd probably get at least one more episode with Sousa. Yeah, I was thinking about that uh, driving around town today. You cannot bring him back without some sort of resolution. Now, if he were to 
die in this episode, that's great. That's a great ending for Sousa. He's got, you know, a beginning, middle, and end. We know where it is. You bring him back, you let him walk off into the sunset. That's great. But if you're going to bring him back, you better have a better solution or better resolution, a bigger arc than just, you know, one more thing. Like, I I think we're going to see him all the way through to the end. Okay. So, yeah, if they had killed off Sousa, that would have been bold. It would have been great. It would have been bold and it would have been um, unexpected in some ways. I mean, they set up the whole beginning where... He, you know, he's, he gets shot, he's dropped in the pool and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, but I have a feeling because this guy, I cannot say his name because I cannot remember it. First of all, even when I'm trying to read it, I can't read it. But Sousa himself, the actor is not the, the first time he was in the MCU was not as Sousa. Do you guys remember the first time we saw him in the MCU, this actor? Oh, I cannot remember. He was a cop in Avengers. In Avengers, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Because he was um, in the Battle of New York. Yeah. He and he was on Dollhouse with Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. Who... Yeah, I was I was I had him in my head as as that character from Dollhouse. So But I do remember him in in uh in the uh, in the Battle of New York, and I had not remembered him until just now when you said that. Prominently mm-hmm. featured on screen. You yeah, know? I mean, you you see who this guy is, and they oh, could please. pull this off. Oh, I I they sent a could. message. I sent a they message could. right after this episode to you guys. Actually, it might even been during the episode or right when when we realized where they were going with it. Uh, but I wanted to be vague first of all, and second of all, I'll use the hashtag save it for the show. But yeah. I, I said something like. Oh, they could do something. They could do something that links up with something. I can't remember the exact message that I said, um, but I wanted to, you know, put a pin in it there for you guys because I wanted to come back to this idea that what if that is Sousa, who is in the Battle of New York? Oh, that would be awesome. Can you imagine? Now I don't know how they pull it off. Would this be the kind of thing where, you know, he's just that's his life you know, that he's living in and he's, he's just living life in New York as a police officer, or they're there for the battle of New York and in costume or something in disguise. And he's actually there. This is something they could do. They're not the only ones there in costume going back in time. (laughs) That's true. Well, I mean, that's the thing they, they could do this thing. Now, will they do this thing? I don't know. Should they do this thing? I don't know. Just yes. because, you know, you spend so much time thinking about what you can do that you don't think about if you should do it uh, to. I think they should almost quote uh, uh, Jurassic Park. Bloom. Yeah. 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 If they were actively shooting this this year in, in, instead of a year ago, I would say, yes, do it. Why not? I think they still could. I think it'd be really they funny, could. though, because yeah. more than likely they did this not knowing that Endgame was a time travel story. You, and mm-hmm. and so then you have two two of these time travel moments di- you know, converging and then diverging. So you have some thoughts? I had some thoughts about that. Now, uh, was, was it Ira Perlmutter was the guy that Feige and, and he did not get along? It wasn't Feige and Jeff Loeb, right? No, it was it was Perlmutter who couldn't get along with 
I think anybody, but I'm not sure. Right, okay. Yeah. So, 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 but he's gone. Mm-hmm. They, they give Feige the whole Marvel thing. Feige comes back and says, okay, guys, look, we got 13 episodes. Do something very good. And, and they went, okay, let's do this. And he's like, that sounds like a good idea. And he's stroking his little mustache. He doesn't really have a goatee or anything like that, but maybe he's stroking his chin. And he says, yes, that sounds like a great idea and nothing else. And so then he lets these two time travel stories happen. I think this is it. Definitely a possibility. I think if it, he's probably the only guy who would know what the left yeah. hand and the right hand are doing. Oh, please let that happen. I, I so want that to be Sousa. Yeah, or, I mean, because people have already kind of done this fan canon kind of thing where it, it's someone who's related to Sousa. You know, like it's Sousa's son or or grandson or something like that. Um, well, didn't they have um, the same actor playing a uh, Howling com- uh, Commando and his grandson? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the principal yeah. from from Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah. yeah. And they actually had a picture. So the principal is played by the same guy as the Howling Commando. Um, but then he has a picture of himself, but it's his grandfather. <laughs> in story, it's his grandfather, but it's actually a picture of himself on the wall in his office. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, guys. Let's do this. Let's make that happen. It's a TV trope where it's, it's you know, your child, you play your child <laughs> because, you know, he looks just like you or she looks just like you. It's also a movie trope. Back to the Future Two. I look mm-hmm. looking right at you. What's great about it is it's it's Schrodinger's uh, Sousa because it is it right now because we don't know it is both everything <laughs> and nothing. <laughs> yeah, somewhat. <laughs> hey, hey, I have one more note about Sousa, and that is he's a good agent. But he's not the greatest agent because he falls for lies very easily. Daisy tricked him last episode and then Coulson tricks him this episode. Like this is clearly a super strong, super soldier type of guy who just lied and said he was the, you know, the the liaison or the whatever it is. Um, And now he's changed the story to say, yeah, I'm actually here to help you deliver Stark's weapon and okay, I'll let you out of the handcuffs and, and we'll, we'll do that together then. Okay. And I was just thinking, you know, Sousa, maybe, maybe don't believe everything you hear. You think he's gullible? I don't know. I, I, here's the good thing about it. I think it fits his character. That's true. I think it fits his character. He is, he is a trusting person because he's a trustworthy person. And so I, I'm not going to say it's a bad thing, uh, character-wise, but I am going to say it's a bad thing. Like, if your job, yeah, if your job is to <laughs> yeah. like be a leader of Shield, and you're you suspect Hydra has infiltrated Shield, you need to keep both eyes open. Is what you're saying? I'm saying, yeah, and maybe even try and dig up a third eye somewhere and keep that one open yeah. too. 
Yeah. The, I do love that scene where he talks to uh, the agents on the plane and he's like, I think Hydra's infiltra- infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> yep. and they're like, yeah, yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, which is one of those moments where you kind of realize, well, time, you know, they're 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 going to do something here to change time because they've already given him these this detail. Yeah. Um, yeah. Knowing he's so, going to die that day. You know, S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point, for lack of a better term, is kind of innocent, right? Yes. <laughs> it doesn't have as much, you know, uh, what did Tony say? I read those SSR files. You guys weren't so, you know, clean or whatever it was in Avengers. I, this this is kind of the heyday for S.H.I.E.L.D. This is the, the innocent time of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's not until we get to Winter Soldier, the best MCU movie ever, where we get, um, you know, we find out that S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of rotten at the core. Here's the problem is that that's a that was a great moment, not just for the MCU. That's a great moment in movie in cinema moments, you know, but it casts a long, dark shadow backwards. Yes. Mm hmm. On, on, you know, so anytime, anything, anytime we get a flashback of shield, so Ant-Man, you know, we Mm -hmm. get that flashback back to shield and, and what do we see? Well, there's definitely some Hydra people there. (laughs) And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, there's a long dark shadow though, of infiltration of shield with Hydra. And that does take away from what you're saying. You know, it's, was it an innocent time? Yes. But was it a forced innocent time? You know, the, the greatest lie the devil will let anyone believe is that he doesn't exist. And that's what Hydra, mm-hmm. I think, was kind of doing a little bit is they're right there, right next to S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D. is fighting Hydra, but only fighting what Hydra allows them to see. Like Hydra has the upper hand throughout the whole time because they're able to just stay hidden in plain sight. Now, has Malik taken, has Malik and his Hydra goons infiltrated shield in this episode 1955 yes hydra yes uh, yeah uh malik is Souza's direct supervisor oh okay yeah okay okay yeah so yeah you know it, you're right it is kind of a forced innocence but it's still there i mean it's still kind of this well, because we all look at the fifties as with rose-colored glasses, right? So, sure. any any time <clears throat> art, well, maybe not so much now. The fifties, <laughs> the fifties looked at itself with rose-colored glasses, and so any any artifacts from the fifties that we have, or I shouldn't say any, but a lot of artifacts from the fifties that we have are rose-colored, if they're not black and white, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, because the TV That's- was black and white. That's a good way to put it. The 50s looked at itself, and so therefore media from that time um, viewed itself differently. And I will concede that point. So it would make sense that, you know, the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. thinks it's okay right now. It's not until we get to, you know, uh, Steve and Black Widow being in the, uh, being in the bunker realizing that everything's going down. It's it's a really once you start thinking about it, there's it's dark. It's mm-hmm. it's dark and, and the innocence becomes dark because the innocence is definitely a lie. And how awesome is that is it that they plucked maybe the most innocent 
of all the shield agents, you know, Sousa right out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, so, he, yeah, he was the guy who wanted to clean it up. He wanted to be the Elliot Ness, you know, right. who was going to come in and clean things up and, and wasn't corrupt. You know, he would have been untouchable except he was going to die on that day. So he was very touchable, but yeah, I think you're right. You're right. And so to, to, as a, as a creator, as a, as a, as a writer of the show, you don't pluck him out for no reason. I'm just, I'm so excited about what's going to happen next week. I just can't wait. I agree. There's, there are plans for Sousa. Um, Yeah. Uh, and and to be honest, like when I heard that he was going to be on the show, I was just like, oh, OK, they're going to say goodbye to, you know, Agent Carter. And like, that's going to be cool. I but expected now, one episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One episode. OK, so OK, two episodes. OK, we're going to kill him. And then like they pluck him out and it's like, oh, wait a second. There is a reason that he's going to be he's in here. Not just we're going to say goodbye to Agent Carter. But yeah. now there's a reason. And that I'm excited about. So there's one other piece I wanted to talk about with Sousa, and that's that uh, Coulson in his narration calls him S.H.I.E.L.D.'s first fallen agent. And they do some flashbacks. Uh, They do a lot of flashing to things in the past. And one of the things that they flash to is the wall of fallen agents that used to be hanging in the Triskillian. And he's there. But the first fallen agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? He just yeah. got done saying that the Hydra has killed people, good people that work with him. I'm curious and, uh, about this. Yeah, yeah, that line I was like, no, he wasn't. He wasn't the first fallen agent. Unless no. unless it was like the first agent of Shield who got killed after the SSR became Shield. I don't know. That's something that with the timeline I didn't actually should have looked it up, but I didn't. But let's Do let's we do know it. when Shield was established in the MCU? Well, I'm doing a Google search right now for when did the SSR become S.H.I.E.L.D. And S.H.I.E.L.D. first appeared fully formed in Strange Tales number 135. So that's not the answer I'm looking for. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm not finding any real answers with dates. So. Okay. So the thing is that that date has not been established. Doesn't look like it. I feel so bad for Enoch. That poor guy. He seems to be enjoying himself, though. He's got those little tiny umbrellas. I think he was kind of enjoying himself, but feeling lonely, but making the best of it. And then his friends show up and call him and ignore him and then leave without him. And and so I I, I think you're right, Stuart. I think he, he has made a good. But is that the same place that Koenig was at? I mean, I feel like that was the same bar. It definitely felt the same, just redressed. So I think it's the same oh, bar. Oh, that was but... definitely the same bar. Same yeah. set. I mean, it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They're going to reuse the same set. Right, right. But I think it's meant to be the same actual location, though. Yes, What surprised is. me was, though, we did not see Koenig in it. Like, I expected to see Koenig, like, running the joint, you know, with a with a hula hat on or something. That was 20, 20 years later. Yeah, he could still be running it. Yeah, or one of his kids. Yeah, or his brother who looks exactly the same. This yes. is Kanick we're talking about. Just I, I don't think it would have been quite as as uh, 
emotionally affecting if we knew that that Enoch was there with his new friend, you know? Oh, well, that's true. I, we needed to see him all by himself. Talking to a lonely bar patron. Oh, by myself. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that it it just it was a sad but hilarious moment. When, yes, it was. Especially when it, the last call comes through, and I'll put you through. <laughs> Actually, I think um, Deke kind of wanted to talk to Enoch a little bit. Deke did. Yeah, but Enoch just didn't expect him to, and so puts him through. I do appreciate that Enoch like had the foresight to go sooner or later. They're going to call, not walk in, but call. And mm-hmm. I'm going to need to patch them through to the, uh, to the, to some future technology that's not available right now. He has the powers of plot really well. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, he also has human emotions. Mm-hmm. He needs friendship. Fitz, Fitz got him hooked on the stuff, and now he <laughs> needs he needs friendship to survive. Speaking of, where is Fritz? Oh Fritz. man, let's just pretend he's no longer on the show. He was fired oh, early. We are four episodes into this. Yes, four out of thirteen episodes into this. Yes. This isn't even a regular season. Yes, this is frustrating. Yes. Okay, it's getting to the point now where they're going to have to make him be something big. You know, maybe yeah. not a big plot element. Maybe he's like the leader of the Chronicons. I don't know. But they're going to have to make him be something big. And I hope it's not a bad guy. Because, like, we already did Fitz as a bad guy. There's going to have to be a very strong payoff. Yes. Those are better words than I used, Ben. <laughs> he's a stay-at-home dad. Right. <laughs> He's been raising his and Gemma's kids all this time. And if they present it right, that will that could be the strong payoff if they present it right. But yeah. at this point, they've shrouded it in mystery. They've hung a lampshade on it from last season even. I mean, last season cliffhanger, they hung a lap, a lampshade on the fact that Fitz isn't here. Well, now it's been four episodes into this season and this is he's he's very missed and his presence is is obviously not there and one of that's one of my biggest problems if i'm looking for problems that i have with what's going on here is where is he you know i seem to remember from seasons past you'd go well what about this question and like the next episode would answer that question so I'm really thinking that we're a little bit behind now. You know, like we've been asking about Fitz for four episodes, like you said, Ben. Where is he? That's what I want to know. Joss, come to my house and tell me, please. I don't think Joss is really involved in in things very much right (laughs) now. No. No. I, I think Fitz is all by himself. Maybe Fitz is Enoch. No. That would be really funny, though. If he went back in time 2,000 years, became Enoch, spent those 2,000 years, (laughs) spent that time with himself, knowing he's with himself, but 
pretending to be this robot who just wants to be friends because he's just bugging himself to be funny, you know, and, and just enjoying that. You know what's sad? He would do that. <laughs> <laughs> he would leave Gemma behind this entire time just to, you know, experience history. <laughs> no, I don't think he would. No, he I would think, not. <laughs> I think... Maybe he's in the movie universe. Sure, if that's if that's where the, if that's where we're going for the payoff, sure. Yeah, wherever it is, it has to be a strong payoff. And it feels like we've got a whole different show with a whole different staff of writers. So it's we don't, but that's right, what it right. feels like. They they are this season is very strong. My hope is that it continues to be and we get a very good payoff with Fitz. A strong payoff, if you will. Just have to wait and see. That's right. Still waiting. Not seeing. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, let's talk about May, who has become, speaking of Deanna Troy, she's become <laughs> Deanna Troy. It's, yeah, that's a little weird. But only when she's in extreme close proximity to someone else. Yes, yes, or especially in, in actual physical contact with them. Yeah. Oh, but this does solve an issue that we have. Which is? Um, she is not going to fall in love with LMD Coulson. <laughs> Unless she's standing next to someone who's in love with, with someone else. And maybe <laughs> she will. Maybe. I mean, we like we said, we have yet to see Fitz. Of course, he may never, never come back. So again, there solves your problem. She will never fall in love with LMD Coulson. <laughs> Fitz is coming back. I mean, he is still credited in the credits as main cast. Yes. Um, but we haven't seen him. So, okay. But back to May. So now we're kind of seeing some of her problem and, and some of the inconsistencies too. Like they, the inconsistencies that were being called out in first and second episode um, have been addressed. And and are intentional. I really like this because I was not expecting this. Yeah, when she started laughing, that put me. I was unsettling. Yeah, Definitely about, unsettling. Uh, about the tech. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I have a question about the tech. So when it's time to talk about that, I I, I have no idea what that is. So hey, uh, let's talk about the tech. I don't know what it is. I don't okay. know either. I think we'll find out next episode. We might. We might. Here's the, here's the question that's been set up to be answered in the next episode. There you go. Fitz knows all about the tech. He's going to tech the tech for us and tell us. That tech was Maybe. just, it looked like a, a silver block. Right. So it's a cool looking tech. And if it's tech, then it's cool because it's weird and odd. But uh, but what is it? Who knows? The last time we saw weird, odd tech, it it gave us the singing rock opera. Remember? It's true. It's true. I mean, there's, there's definitely some monolith kind of, uh, vibes from that tech and yes, the rock opera, which weakest point of the series, I'm going to say. Um, but no, we're here to talk about one of the stronger points of the series because <laughs> I would almost put this episode higher than the episodes that were linked into winter soldier. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. It's going to be, it for me, 
I don't disagree with you, Ben, but it's gonna net, it's gonna have to be dependent upon where it goes from here, because there's a whole bunch of setup. If the payoff is a letdown, then whatever. But the thing about Winter Soldier was there was very little setup, and the payoff was immense. <laughs> and I would disagree that there was very little setup. I mean, I they knew where they were going, and and took a couple episodes to get there. You know, and and with this, though, I think this also works as a standalone. Obviously, you need to know what's going around going on around this episode to know about the the time travel and all that kind of thing. Uh, and why Coulson, you know, was was in Sousa's office or whatever. But man, I think this is a strong episode. You know what I'm else like? What else I'm glad about? I'm glad what? they did not drop all 13 on Disney Plus or something like that and are releasing it weekly, especially now when everybody's sort of, you know, like on a drought of new content. Well, that's just it. Yeah, this was perfect for them because, right. you know, they didn't have to stop production on this show because they were already done. Right. It was already the show. in the can, done, written. And it's it's timely. I mean, the conversation that Deke and uh, Yo-Yo have in the car is timely. Though what I don't understand is airing the show at 10 p.m. That's so they can play a movie in front of yeah, it. They have yeah, they have a two-hour movie. This is this is essentially a. I mean, it's very family friendly for the most part. But I'd also argue that they're making a very nice little block of okay, kids, let's watch a Disney movie. Toy Story, what was it, three? Yes. Said, now we're going to watch our show. They're also making a nice little case for, hey, you want Disney Plus. Yeah. Oh, man. Of course. Here's a Disney Plus movie. There's more movies like this on Disney Plus. Also, remember the Marvel stuff? That's also on Disney Plus. And so we're going to show you something that's going to make you think about Marvel right now. Disney Plus, get it. Of course, how many parents on this show are making their young kids go to bed at 9 p.m. like they normally do? Well, it's summer, summer bedtime. It's been summer bedtime since March. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I would not watch a movie on ABC, though. Like if we were going to watch what what they're showing, I'd be just watching it on Disney Plus. Right. Forget the commercials. (laughs) There's no commercials and it'll be done earlier. If I don't go to the my DVD wall and just be like, oh, I'm going to watch Toy Story 3 now. Click. <laughs> of course, I say that. But then when I turn on the TV and watch Star Trek, I don't say, oh, you know, I could watch this on uh, Netflix right now and not have commercials. I just watch it. Hey, you got anything more in your notes? Because we got some feedback we need to get to. Anything more in your notes? I have... Uh, Oh, just the whole deal with the devil that the Chronicoms tried to do with Coulson. And then when that doesn't work, they go to Malik. Classic comic book trope. When a hero has two enemies, they have to team up. And this is the Chronicoms and Hydra teaming up. Oh, uh, maybe the Chronicoms infiltrate Hydra, which infiltrates S.H.I.E.L.D. And then it would cast an even longer shadow. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Deke finally got some 1950s clothes and then he immediately got himself kidnapped. But his act of mercy caused him to live. 
Although his act of mercy then. Right. If he hadn't done that act of mercy, he wouldn't have gotten kidnapped in the first place. Well, now you're talking about the grandfather paradox and let's just leave that one over there. We are, we are, but we're also talking about Yo-Yo's thing where she says, we're the agents of status quo right now. And so they determine we're going to do this thing. She and Deke, if the opportunity comes again, they're going to do it. They're going to kill. So when you guys heard the agents of status quo, did that bit from um, Dr. Horrible's saying a long blog go through your head where, where he says the status is not quo. Every single time I watched this episode that, that went through my head, like I right away. I just need to rule it. No, I didn't think of that. I didn't either. It's been years since I've seen that though. Oh, it still holds yeah. up. It's a great thing. Oh, um, anyway, has, has Yo-Yo never seen back to the future part two? I don't know, but Mac breaks his own rules, but he's at least doing it on the positive side. We're going to save this guy. Okay. I can live with that. Them determining that they're going to basically say, if we have the opportunity, we're going to kill Hitler. Uh, yeah. You, you just, you don't want to mess around with history like that. No, unless, unless you can do the free Jack thing, which is what they did today in this episode. Have you ever seen Free yeah. Jack? Yes, actually, I watched it a couple of weeks ago for some. I don't remember why, but <laughs> which it's it's a '80s time travel action Emilio Estevez movie. and Mick Jagger. And Mick Jagger. I'm sorry, I can't do that. Um, oh, I have seen that years and years ago. And Anthony Hopkins, recall- right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole conceit behind that thing is that people in the future kidnap people from the past who are about to die mm-hmm. so that they're not changing history. And when they do that, they're doing it to, is it to get their youth? Yeah. It's, it's basically a extending your life lifeline kind of thing. Um, but yeah, you, you're, they're going back in time with their, their time machine pulls someone from the past. And so Emilio Estevez is a race car driver who, uh, is in a terrible accident, but they pull him from the car just before the accident happens. And now he's in the future. And and that's basically what they've done with Sousa is that they've taken that moment where he's going to die and let the moment play out, if not happen. And as far as history is concerned, he died. But as far as the future is concerned, he is riding with the Zephyr crew. And he's going to show up in the Battle of New York as cop. And Jim is going to do something to help him fix his leg so he can be a cop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um. Oh, gosh. I almost had something and it slipped right up out of my head. Great. Um, anyways. Feedback. Feedback. Yes. yes. Okay. So this is from Agent Dylan, who says, Agents. Gotta say, I was sad to hear the job ultimately ended Peggy and Sousa's marriage. (laughs) That being said, I refuse to believe that he isn't the husband mentioned in the interview she did only two years prior to this episode. After watching the episode, I watched the full version of the interview. He's talking about the interview from uh, Winter Soldier, where she talks about... Well, uh, he says there is no way anyone can watch that thing and still think the timeline depicted in the final scene of Endgame is the main one. She does not appear to be wearing a ring in it. So the breakup seems to have happened earlier, which makes sense given how much Daniel had figured out. 
Also, in 703, he wouldn't have primped himself up in the mirror if Steve were in the picture. After all, we learned in this episode that it was S.H.I.E.L.D. that broke them up. Anyway, it'll be nice to see Sousa some more, and it's too bad Jarvis wasn't his contact at the Roosevelt. I guess the actor wasn't available. Agent Dylan signing off. Hashtag Trip lives. Hashtag Sousa lives. Hashtag <laughs> uh, May is Troy. <laughs> so. Oh, Agent Dylan, I love your emails. <laughs> Hashtag I love your emails. I disagree. I still think that there's some time travel shenanigans that can happen to make things work out this way. And the filmmakers themselves said that when Peggy was giving that interview and it may not be the full interview, but what's on screen for the movie, what they, they have said that she's talking about Steve. So whatever that's supposed to mean, how are they supposed yeah, to work Yeah, but out? those filmmakers, the Russos lie, liar, liars, so. pants on fires. You know who doesn't lie? Agent 084 doesn't lie. That's true. And Agent 084 says, so good. Clark Gregg has been aching to narrate some more, some noir, and it shows. The style of the episode was absolutely perfect between the lack of faces shown, the title out of the past, and clips I've seen of Souza and later era clothing. I think we all saw the team's decision to take him with them a mile away, but the idea is so exciting to me that I don't care. As always, I'm curious as to whether their machinations were simply a way to emulate what actually happened in their past without dams, or if this is just the way it always was. But again, it's so fun that I don't really care. And I think that's their aim for this season. Look at our time travel logic any way you want, but just have fun doing it. And I think it's working. Chronology notes. According to the time card in the amazing episode Paradise Lost, Malik died in 1970. If they decide to bring him back as an elderly man post-1973, when No More Mr. Nice Guy was released, that's the song that we got to hear playing as they were... Uh, at the very, very end of this episode. Either the Chronicoms faked his death like Souza's or it's some sloppy chronology. I myself wouldn't mind seeing some actor who played young Gideon back because I remember he was excellent in the role. What else did I like? The status quo conversation with Yo-Yo and Deke. The menacing actor they got from Malik, totally selling it as the guy who would have raised Gideon. Sousa's balance of falling for some things versus not falling for others. He may be a S.H.I.E.L.D. legend and a great character, but he's no Peggy Carter, and he shouldn't be written as infallible. May's trip to the other world turning her into a super empath. I love the idea of where we can go with that. And bartender Enoch was everything. Until next time. Uh he talked about the guy they got from Malik because of the noir filming that they used and the shape of that dude's head. When we first saw him, I thought it was Fitz and I was like, Oh, it's Fitz. And I said to my kids, Oh, it's Fitz. And then he turned out to be Malik. And I was like, Oh, I was wrong. But guy looks like, um, Orson Welles, a young Orson Welles from well, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. It's the beard. I thought one of the um, Malik's henchmen at first was Sean Marr, but um, Sean Marr last family time with his father. His father had Alzheimer's, and so I doubt he would have stepped away from that to do an acting role. So Sean Marr from Firefly. Firefly, yeah. He played Simon. Yes. All right. We also have a voicemail message from... Agent Coco, if I can bring it up. 
Hey, y'all. Stephen Coco here. How are you doing? So I just watched the season, um, sorry, the last episode, and it was so good. Um, I really, you know, I'm a film geek, so I really love, like, this thing they're doing, you know, this little trope, like, last week it was the 50s type of thing. And now it's filmed a lot, very Hitchcock kind of like mystery, like Dick Tracy feel, you know, with the narration. So good. So good. So good. So good. So good. So good. Um, I love how the characters are also going through these little transformative experiences. You know, Mac is like, let's make some waves. I'm like, yeah, Mac. Make some waves, change it up. You know, I mean, it's who knows what's going to happen, but imagine you are in a position to save someone who was an amazing, beautiful man, like, you know, Martin Luther King or Malcolm X. Like, it would probably change things in a way that you couldn't imagine, but. I mean, I understand him not wanting Sosa to die. They have a plan. It's awesome. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in for May being an impasse. I'm all in for a storyline with May. I love May. (laughs) You know, and she's going to learn to get in touch with her emotions and feel things. And she's always going to struggle with that. So this is a good experience for her. So many changes for my May. So awesome. Probably my favorite season so far outside of the season with Ada. I'm really loving this one. So anyway, sorry for the rambling message. (laughs) I'm just really excited about where things are going. And I hope you guys go well. Bye. Okay. So, hey, taking that Free Jack idea and just applying it to what uh, even Coco just said, like there, there's some decent storytelling ideas of bringing people from the past into the future like into the present you know and, and what i'm i know there, there's been people who've done things like that before but that could be there could be some really cool things to do with i just love that we're getting feedback from dylan and 084 and agent coco i love that fact that we get the we get those on a regular basis thank you guys Yes, thank you. Stuart, why do you keep taking the words out of my mouth? I swear, it's like... Well, I do it on purpose, Samantha. I mean, because honestly, I feel like, hey, I want to say something, and then you say it first, and then I'm like over here just like, you know, the giggly girl on the morning drive show that has nothing to say. (laughs) You need to get a soundboard. Yeah, with sound effects. (laughs) Some crashes or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but um, <clears throat> yeah, I we haven't talked about yo-yo much, but this episode we see we're seeing movement forward for her for May, um, and you know Agent Coco said something about how this is something that May struggled with, like this is actually a a uh, her her emotions, you know, and, and because of various reasons, but her emotions have always been something that she's had uh, had to deal with and had a hard time with. And, and here now she has to deal with everyone else's emotions instead. 
So there's there's some possible growth here, and and that's nice. You know, they're still they're not just saying, hey, let's just have fun, but they're saying, hey, let's let's do things that are going to push these characters in new places, and and allow them to grow. So we have another uh, voicemail from Agent Coco, and this one has is less of a statement and more uh, some questions. So here we go. Hey, it's Agent Coco again. Not calling back to rave about this awesome murder mystery style film noir episode, but to ask a question. So remember that part when Daisy said something about going home, like next stop, I hope it's home. What do you think she meant by that? Like the back of her van, the lighthouse, like the framework, like what's home? Home could be so many places. So I just wonder what that means. And I was wondering what you guys thought. And who do you think they're going to bump into? Who else do you think we're going to see this season? I feel like, I feel like there's going to be some cameos. Anyway, that's it. Bye. Well, we talked last episode about, um, I can't remember who sent in the feedback, but about seeing young Colson. And that's my, my money. I really hope we could see young Colson. Um, what about you guys? Now that she mentions it, we might see Daisy's parents before Daisy. That'd be, that'd be cool. Although we have seen them in some flashbacks. But, right. Um, but, but bring back her mother doesn't age. Right. Or didn't age. Yeah. And bring that actress back, you know, like right. she's, I don't know. Is she working right now? Nobody's working right now. That's true. Was she working was she a year working? ago when they were making this series? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, all I heard was make another leap home. Oh boy, that's all I heard. So I don't know. I I want to see them get back home, and I think personally, Daisy was referring to whatever time the present is and the lighthouse and like their normal base of operations. Cause humans get kind of attached to normalcy. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's what happens with her. I think more well, rephrase. I think that that's what she wants. Not to say that that's what I hope happens. I'd like to see her in the back of the van. It'd be fun to go back to the beginning of the series, you know, Colson walks in and with with Grant and being like, "Hey, let me tell you about age uh, level seven. You know, I honestly I could see them doing that because why not? You know, that, yeah, that makes sense. It's the circular storytelling thing that you can do even more in a time travel story than anything else. You know, but um, but I mean, a lot of stories they do just circle around back on themselves. You know, and this one could literally." do that and if not ending there at least you know going there in the you know episode 13 and and then coming back to the present day you know for the last act or whatever but yeah i could see that being a thing i could see it working well so So 13 episodes we seem to be spending about two episodes in a time period. We spent two episodes in the 30s. We spent two episodes in the 50s. Presumably, we'll spend two more episodes in the 70s. And so then that leaves seven episodes yep. for other other yep. time eras. 
Probably the 90s. Possibly the 80s, though. I think they're going to travel to the 80s uh, because in the poster, uh, Deke is wearing a headband and a red jacket like he's out of a thriller video. Uh, yeah, you look at that poster. You got to find that poster. It is hilarious looking. It's fantastic. Yeah. Is that a poster for like the season? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's close this thing down then. And uh, final words. Thank you guys for so much for um, for supporting us and calling in and talking to us. We love this conversation. Let's keep it going. And thank you so much to our Patreon patrons, which I need to bug Ben after we stop recording to get those names. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh, I, I believe it is still Blessed Cheesemaker. And, Fantastic. And 084 yes. and a third that I can't think of off the top of my head. And my computer is moving really slowly. So... Um, yeah, next episode. Sorry. I do have two uh, podcast related announcements that I would like to make, not uh, about this show, but about things that might be relevant to your interests. The first thing is that my podcast, my um, supersonic pod comics uh, podcast is finally returning with a regular schedule. So this week, same week that this episode drops, it might be before this episode drops, it might be after, depending on production schedules and all things like that. But this week, The Randoms, the next episode of my series, The Randoms, which is about 42 random people who get given superpowers. Now they have to find each other and find out why they have these powers. That is being released, and we will be getting into a regular schedule again and so just subscribe in itunes or wherever you get your podcast and that is supersonic pod comics i hope to uh well i hope you listen i hope you enjoy it uh the second thing that would be relevant to your interest so to speak is that uh there is a welcome to podcast out there that's not welcome to level seven and that is welcome to mainframe and that is a podcast about the reboot animated show and it's hosted by friend of the podcast and occasional co-host um although it's been a while here on Welcome to Level 7, uh, Evan David. He's my co-host on Strangers and Aliens, and he is regularly a, a co-host there. And it's about the Reboot TV series, which was the first fully CGI TV series that I'm aware of. I believe that that's the... Um, that's like the, the, big, the big thing behind this. The other big thing behind it is that it's a pretty fantastic television show. Again, I wouldn't know. I haven't seen the whole thing. I've only seen one episode, and that wasn't the greatest. But um, Evan is passionate about it. His co-host is a newbie to it, and together they're exploring every single episode of Reboot and the Reboot. Reboot. <laughs> um, I guess that's what it is. Sequel series, whatever you want to call it. So that's Welcome to Mainframe. Check it out. Again, anywhere you can get podcasts, it should be there. And if it's not there yet, it will be there soon. So... I also want to thank our feedback, uh, people who left feedback, Agent Coco, Agent 084, Agent Dylan. Um, we love it when you send us feedback and whenever you send feedback. Really, the only thing I have to say is this. My attention, alas, is all yours.
Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls. You can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. All right, Sunset Boulevard, you guys have seen it, but it's been a while, so you guys don't remember it very well. Is that right? Correct. Okay. I believe I have not seen it. Okay. Well, I'm going to spoil it right now, though. Go ahead and spoil it. I will live. And this is another thing that this episode mirrors with that. Um, There's not a whole lot. I mean, there's a lot of noir stuff going on that are, you know, referencing other movies and referencing other, you know, things. But the movie Sunset Boulevard starts with – uh, the main character narrating the whole thing. And you see this person face down in the pool. When you get to the end of the movie, you realize um, he's been shot by the actress and the main character is dead and has been narrating from beyond the grave. And he's been dead the whole time. And so he's starting out. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, it's just him telling the story, you know, about being down and out writer and everything like that but that's what's happening here in this this episode is colson is narrating the whole thing but he's narrating the whole thing after having you know he's the guy in the pool you know just like just like sunset boulevard so you know i just realized they did the same thing in american beauty kevin spacey's narrating throughout Uh, the entire movie but he's dead at the end and he's narrating from beyond the grave yeah yeah, and and actually, then uh, Coulson, um, doing what he's what he's doing though, it just yeah, it, it mimics that. And the whole time I'm watching, I'm just like, this reminds me of Sunset Boulevard. This reminds me of Sunset Boulevard. And sure enough, I looked up to see, and it's on Prime. So I I highly recommend it. And I went back and rewatched I will be it. Watching so. it very shortly, not tonight because I'm tired, yeah. but in the in the coming week because. It's on Prime. What is he going to do? Exactly. I no longer have Prime. <laughs> I'll, I'll also say this about this episode. This one is possibly one of the most rewatchable episodes for me. Like I could oh, yeah. see my, I could see myself sitting oh, yeah. down to watch this as a single episode uh, in ways that most other Agents of the Shield episodes don't, because you have to watch the pod. You know, mm-hmm. um, maybe it, if you're watching around winter soldier mm-hmm. you know those episodes i might go to and i did actually last time we went to winter winter soldier but yeah did you guys notice the when he's in the beginning and uh colson has the paper and it says clark and then he moves it over and it's like clark daily news or something like that uh, i did not yeah so what I like about, I mean, obviously we like everything about this episode. It'll be interesting to see how it plays in the grand scheme of things, but it's just so well done. It's just so well done. 
Yeah. The writing, the writing staff in this episode compared to the last season is a different. It's just different and better. And whoever got to write this one, you know, I don't know if they're writing it the way that like Star Trek's next generation, uh, they would have different people write the different acts of the of the episode sometimes. But I, I have a feeling it's probably more like a typical show where one person they all crack it together and then one person takes it and writes it and comes back with it. But whoever wrote this one had a lot of fun and and knew their, their film history. Boulevard on Prime a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's it then. Right. That's our episode. Nice job, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Good night. Later. <laughs>